0: So many people think of evil as being intriguing and enlivening and dashing and bold and exciting in some way. And it's, it's, it just makes us small. It sucks the life out of us. And I think uh, that Tolkien does a great job of capturing that in that clip. Well, um, as you've heard, we are, we are starting a new series today. This is the fifth series uh, that is part of our Luke study. So, the Gospel of Luke, written by Paul's travel companion, uh, a medical doctor, amateur historian, uh, and it opened. We, we looked at Luke's account of Christ's birth and the events surrounding that, some of his early days and then early years. And then the, the second series was called Amazed. We picked up after Christ's baptism and time in the desert, uh, and we saw the, the things that Jesus did right out of the block as he was beginning as a a teacher. The amazing miracles that he did, that if you line them up, you see that he was making a statement that he was not simply another teacher. Uh, He was greater than death. He was greater than sickness. He was greater than evil. He was greater than nature. He was altogether different than everyone else. And then that led into revolution, in which we... Stressing the idea that Jesus came to launch a movement and that that this movement is to be a force of good and grace and love and to spread the kingdom of God and the message of Christ around the world. And then, most recently, we had this little mini series on prayer called Talking with God. And and now we begin something called Greater Than. Jesus is Greater Than. And we're going to look at the fact that Jesus is greater than the things that hold us back he's greater than the things that hold us down that, that keep us up at night he's greater than fears and anxieties he's greater than any of the things that seem to be pushing us down and my goal for this series is that you would have a sense of confidence in God uh, that come what may right things will move forward in the right direction and God will prevail and uh, today the topic is is evil God, is greater than evil. Jesus is greater than evil. And this is the second time in this series we've looked at evil. Back in Luke 9, there was a sermon on evil. And in that sermon, I made really two big points. First of all, I said, when it comes to evil, there's a lot of confusion. Um, There are three different, I'll call them confused camps out there. There's, There's a group of people that deny the reality of evil. Um, This is made up, among others, of people who identify as liberals. Now, that's a loaded term today. I'm not using it in a negative sense at all, however you might hear it. I'm I'm talking about uh, a school of thought that since the Enlightenment has advanced the idea that uh, evil doesn't exist, that people are inherently good, and that the problems that we face come from society and oppressive systems and structures. And if we could just fix society, then everybody and everything would flourish. Um, So this view is very popular in academic circles, and uh, among other places, it's popular in some segments of the media. So you never actually hear on the nightly news, you never hear anybody describe anything as being evil, no matter how atrocious something would be no matter how heinous some activity would be. It doesn't get described as evil because that's a value judgment that they would not make. There's another group of people that are in this evil-doesn't-exist camp, and those are the people who buy into an Eastern religious worldview, and they would say that evil is an illusion and might also say that good is an illusion. Okay, So that's one, I'm calling it, confused position. There's, on the opposite side, there's a confused position of people who are actually quite uh, enamored with evil, quite taken by it. Again, they think it's interesting. And, and uh, we see some of this just in, in the, all the movies that are out about things that are dark and torture and demons and zombies. And, and uh, you know, it's just very curious that that's so attractive uh, to so many people. And we also see this, there's a camp of this uh, in, in Christian circles, there are some Christians that seem much more interested in talking about Satan than they do talking about God. And they see the devil behind every corner and under every rock, and they give him all kinds of power. I think it's a very uh, unbiblical, naive view of evil. And then there's a third camp um, called dualism. This is a philosophical term. In the cartoons, dualism is always portrayed by the character that's got a little angel on one shoulder and a little devil on the other and is whispering things, both sides competing. And the idea that there's two big forces or kingdoms out there, one represented by God, the other represented by uh, Satan, and that they're roughly equal and opposite and they're locked in an ongoing struggle. Um, This is, again, not a biblical view. Satan is not God's uh, equal in any way. So there are those three confused camps. I said there's a lot of confusion about evil. And then I said, the Bible has some very specific things to say about evil. Now, not comprehensive things. We do not get all our questions answered. Uh, It's still quite a lot of questions, a little bit of confusion. But the Bible is clear about a few things. First of all, evil is real. Uh, Secondly, there are evil agents uh, you might remember I said somewhat reluctantly I, I came years ago to, to accept the fact that there, there is a, a, a spiritual underworld. There are demonic powers. I don't know how to reconcile uh, the Gospels and Jesus' teaching in life without, without moving in, into that camp. And then the third thing, uh, the last thing that I developed about evil was the idea that um, it, it's probably best to think of it as damaged good. This is the view of Augustine. This is the view of C.S. Lewis and others, saying basically, um, evil is not its own thing; it is it is damaged good, right? That in in the Screw Tape letters, if you read that, C.S. Lewis's fictional account of conversation between demons, he has one of the senior demons say to a junior one, "No matter how hard we've tried." Our R&D department can't actually make anything. All we can do is break things, right? So the idea is that, that good is out there and evil is just damaged good, right? It's, it's always less than good. And uh, so the idea that good is exciting and intoxicating, no, uh, excuse me, the idea that evil is exciting and intoxicating, no, it's just damaged good, uh it's it's nothing like that. So that uh there was more I, I talked about the fact that, you know, when we talk about Satan it's not somebody in a red spandex jumpsuit with pointed tail and, and horns. And also that uh while I don't think it's necessary that we attribute everything that's going wrong to spiritual forces, I, I think we can get ourselves in trouble by ourselves without any help. Thank you very much. Uh, so, it, I, I don't subscribe to this theory that there's, you know, a demon behind every problem. But it would be helpful to stop forgetting that we're in a battle, a, a spiritual battle. So, that was Luke 9. Uh, we now move to Luke 11. You heard the passage read. Uh, Jesus has exercised a demon out of, this, uh, out of this man. And then he's engaged in a conversation by the religious leaders. Now, th- there's actually, th- there's not that many times when Jesus sort of goes toe-to-toe with evil. Six of any significance in the Gospels. Uh, this is one of them. Um, <clears throat> there are many times where Jesus gets sideways with the religious leaders. As he gets closer and closer to Jerusalem, becomes more and more of a threat to their, to their establishment, they send people always to be there when he's teaching or when he's traveling to try and disrupt him. And so they're heckling him, they're doing whatever they can do to try and undermine him. And in this particular case, uh, they accuse him of, of uh, casting out demons because he's the prince of demons. He's got the power, uh, the text says, the power of Beelzebul. Uh, Beelzebul is one of a handful of different Titles that get ascribed to, uh, to Satan. So the devil, Satan, Lucifer, uh, the adversary. Beelzebul or Beelzebub, uh, same word. It's, it's, it's translators' attempt to try and capture um, a derogatory term that the Jews used to refer to uh, the, in, in the worship of Moloch, the, the Baal god. So the, the Jewish derogatory term, which is a, a term for human waste, is the word that they use to describe this God. So translators are never quite sure how to translate that. So, uh, and, and what's happened is it went into Latin, and then it gets transliterated into English. And so some say Beelzebul, some say Beelzebub. Interestingly, older translations used to say, Lord of the Flies. Uh, that was their term, and that's where Golding got the title of his novel, Lord of the Flies. So uh, they, this is a, a horrible term that they're using the, uh, against Jesus, and uh, they accuse him of that. And <laughs> as you will see, uh, there's, this is just never a fair fight. Uh, they say, they sort of throw out their worst, and Jesus just, in very few words, always just slices and dices them to pieces. And uh, he does that here. He, uh, he, he asks them, um, wow, how would this make any sense? If I'm the prince of demons, that I would be casting out demons. Because a house divided can't stand. Now, that might sound innocent until you remember who he's talking to. The Jews are the quintessential example of a house divided can't stand. Right? Under David and Solomon, they had been a united kingdom. They'd been the superpower of the world. And then they had split. The northern and southern kingdoms had split. And then at that point, they went into free fall and they're now nothing. They're oppressed by a whole series of different people. So when Jesus says, uh, a house divided can't, can't stand, right? I mean, that's a cutting comment that he's pointing out to them. And then he also says, "And by the way, you claim to cast out demons. How exactly is it that you claim to do this? If you're saying the only way it can be done is to be the prince uh, of demons, so Jesus pretty quickly uh, dispatches with them. Uh, and but we're going to see them. You know, they're going to be there almost every week now for a while. They're always trying to to undermine Christ. So." There's a, a number of things going on in this passage that are interesting and important that we could look at. I want to I just think a little bit longer about evil, and I want to I, I do my best to um, have you leaving here with a clearer understanding of what we're up against, but with the confidence that in God, uh, we don't have to quake in the presence of evil. So, so far, I've argued that that the Bible makes three points about evil. Number one, it's real. Number two, there are personal evil agents uh, that are out there. And number three, it's damaged good. The fourth thing that we need to understand about evil is that it's very slippery. It's very uh, deceptive. Evil is uh, hard to recognize sometimes for two reasons. One, because we are damaged and so our own biases and prejudices and sin and brokenness gets in the way. And we don't always have a clear understanding of what's going on. But secondly, evil, by its very nature, cannot represent itself for what it is. Because that's not attractive. right? Evil simply has a good PR firm constantly spinning things to try and get us to believe That it's a path that leads somewhere positive. But it doesn't. Again, it's broken. It's damaged. It can never be as good as good. And so it always has to try and uh, mislead us. And, um, you know, it it just, it can be confusing. One of the, my file, uh, as I was flipping through hundreds of articles about evil, I I actually think it's making a little bit of a comeback in, in modern culture, um, it just seems to be creeping in here or there. People find it hard to describe things without going to evil, and they always usually apologize for it. But one of, the, uh, one of the articles I had described, it was from 2007, and it, it was talking about uh, the release of the last Harry Potter book. So seven Harry Potter books. And uh, when the last book was being released, the big question that everybody was looking for an answer for was is Severus Snape a good guy or a bad guy, right? Because it was hard to tell. There's a lot sometimes of ambiguity around uh, good and evil because evil is always trying to use smoke and mirrors to confuse us. And so we often can't see things. Evil is slippery. Number five, evil is a bully. Okay, so it it, it blusters, it threatens, it... it It tries to to intimidate people, but it can only do this if we let it. It it doesn't have all the power. Now, I want to be clear. We are not told to face off against evil. We're told to flee in the presence of evil. Run. Don't stand and try and deal with evil. Get out of there. Uh, In 1 Peter 5 uh, we're warned, you know, the enemy, like a lion, uh, prowling around, uh, seeking someone to devour. We are only encouraged to stand strong in the face of evil if we put on the armor of God, right? If we're standing behind Christ, if we, if we have got, uh, you know, the blessed, breastplate of righteousness, if we've got the sword of the Spirit or the Word of God, uh, we're, we're not encouraged... To try and go toe to toe with evil on our on our own, but we're also not told that we need to be intimidated by evil because there is armor and there is a way forward. I had um, I, I had what I suspect is not a unique response to the uh, to the fall of the Soviet Empire, the the wall coming down. Uh, For a while, it was uh, great excitement and encouragement, and, you know, it was the good guys are winning. I was very excited about that. But then after a while, I I actually felt a bit of shame, and the shame came because I remember being scared of the Soviets, right? From the time I was a little boy in grade school where we'd have the uh, nuclear bomb drills where we were climbing under our desk, which, you know, in retrospect... Okay, Um, not not really sure what we were doing there, but but there was always this. They could send bombs and you know nuclear bombs, and it's going to kill everybody, and it's going to it's going to kill us. And they've got all this power, and they've got this state mandated atheism. And it was always it just and and you know you'd hear about people that are going over there to try and smuggle Bibles in, and the risks they were up against, and it always seemed very threatening and intimidating, and. And then when when it comes down, you think, oh, my goodness. Like, we were scared of, of really not much. Uh, why why did we take this posture of fear and intimidation? And I, I can only speak for myself in that sense. Um, you know, the Apostle Paul, I think, gives us a very different perspective. When he's in prison in Rome, he, he writes... Uh, a number of letters. And uh, in, in his letter to the church in Philippi, he talks about the fact that he's there, uh, has become well-known. The, the cause of Christ has become well-known throughout the, the Praetorian Guard and throughout the, the entire, you know, sort of Roman palace infrastructure. And if you sort of put the book of Acts together and some of the other letters and you piece all this together, it's pretty obvious that Paul is, is uh, often chained to some Roman guard who is completely outmatched by Paul, right? Because you can just see this. Paul is preaching, and this guy says, Stop it. Shut up, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt you. And Paul's like, Fine. Uh, good grief, I've been shipwrecked and stoned and left for dead and beaten several times. <laughs> I, I consider that a little bit of an honor to suffer for Christ. So give me your worst. I'm not scared of you. And so then, well, well, okay, so I'll kill you if you don't be quiet. To live as Christ and to die as gain. Uh, I'd be glad to die. Then I get to go to heaven. I get away from you. But right now, if I'm here, I'm going to be talking about Jesus. And you're not going to stop me. Right? I mean, there's just, a, there's just a sort of a fearlessness that says, I'm not going to be bullied by you. <laughs> I'm not going there. And uh, I think we just have to recognize that evil is almost always going to act like a bully. And uh, we need to be on guard against that. Number six. We need to understand that evil is often advanced by those who think they're doing good. Evil is often advanced by those who actually think they're doing good. And I, I could be talking here about you know, uh, other religions, radical uh, terrorists... Uh, that's it's certainly true in, in many cases, there. But I want to talk uh, about us. If you read the Gospels, uh, you don't come away scared by demons, right? They're just not there very often. What you come away with, if, if you've read it, the Gospels a few times, what you come away worried about is the Pharisees. And in particular, you get worried that you're a Pharisee, that I'm a Pharisee, right? By almost any objective standards, the Pharisees are the religious conservatives who we think of them in very negative lights because the gospel portrays them in very negative lights. But the fact of the matter is, right, they were trying hard to please God, right? They were trying hard to do everything by the book to keep the law now they got down these really stupid narrow back roads, and they got what What happened is they got full of their own pride and self righteousness, and uh, and they they didn't know anything of the grace of God and the love of God. They didn't understand the gospel itself, and so uh, they went in places that hopefully we don't go. But the fact of the matter is, it's very hard to not think. A little bit about our own efforts towards doing the right thing, and is almost the minute we think about that, we we head down the wrong path. And there is a self-justification and a self-righteousness that can lead us to do or say or think some things that are dark and that are are evil. And we just have to understand um, we have to understand how challenging it is to be clear that that we are fighting evil as opposed to that we're just holding on to some of our own biases and prejudices and trying to force those on others. It's interesting with Jesus, he never backs down from evil, right? He goes toe-to-toe with evil. He never backs down. And when other people are at risk right when when this is Jesus coming alongside the widow and the and the orphan and the oppressed and the people on the fringes of society right he is he is zealous to protect them he doesn't take that same posture when he's the one on the other side of evil right he tends to be very quiet and very accepting of things that are coming his way. There's no self-justification uh, there. So I think we have to understand, this is a critical point, that um, the most dangerous kind of evil is evil that thinks it's good. And it's, um, we just need a measure of humility that is uncommon when it comes to this. Which leads to the final point. Uh, the, the last point, the one I want to lead you with, there's other things, again, about evil that, that I, I, I suppose I should say. Let me just pause for a second and, and be very clear. Stay away from anything that is advertising itself as evil, right? I, I don't have a lot of experience with this. I'm very very glad that I don't have experience with, with personal evil. But uh, that, in part, is because I have avoided... The, the palm readers and seances and tarot cards and all that kind of stuff, I'm sure 95% of it is just circus tricks and uh, harmless. But there is no reason to, to play around the edges of people that are claiming to tap into dark power. And so um, I have, again, my experience is now, I've, I've prayed for people who think that they're possessed uh, by, by demons not a lot, and uh, I've I got lots of reports from friends, many on the mission field who who report things that I just don't have any experience with. I'm glad not to have experience with it. I just want to say, run the other direction. Uh, let's be clear, there's no reason to play with that. Um, and I would al- also be remiss if I didn't say, the goal here is not simply not to be bad, right? Uh, th- we're called to far more than that. Um, The passage that was read uh, includes these verses that I want to highlight. Uh, Luke 11, verse 24. Jesus says, um, When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places, seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of the man is worse than the first. <clears throat> so, among other things that that passage uh, is is suggesting is it's it's not our goal isn't simply to get rid of evil. Our goal is to be filled with God, right, with the Spirit of God. We want to we want the spirit of God to be guiding and directing our lives we don't want there to be an empty vacuum in our heart um, this passage interestingly is the passage that inspired Bob Dylan uh, to write the song you got to serve somebody it may be the devil or it may be the Lord but you got to serve somebody you don't just get to stand it neutral right you gotta you got to cast your lot some power something that we love something that we worship is going to be first place in our heart and we want that to be God so this isn't just a don't dabble in evil there is a you no know, run towards God in prayer and Bible study and service and in other ways so there are other things that could be um, and should be said uh, about evil but I want to leave you with this with this big point right we don't need to fear evil but we do need to we need to be advocates of good, and we need to stand in humility against evil. Right? That's increasingly what the world is going to need. Um, we, we need to be, without, um, without intimidation, with humility, love, and grace, we need to take a stand against evil, Satan and all of his works. And and it can be done, right? Um, Again, the point of this series is so much of what pushes people down. Fears, uh, anxiety, fear of death, uh, fear of evil, things that keep people up at night. we, 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 We need to find a confidence that God is bigger than those things. And it doesn't mean that life will be easy. If you read the Gospels, you read the book of Acts, you look at 2,000 years of church history, it's obvious that it's not going to be easy. There's going to be lots of challenges, and we're told to expect those challenges. But we can stand with God with confidence that, that the things that go bump in the night cannot hurt us, ultimately, if we stand with God. Leith Anderson, um, pastor who I believe is now retired. He's, he's up in... Uh, he was up in Minnesota. Leif Anderson uh, was preaching on evil, and he was quoting uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, which is this passage that says, Your enemy, uh, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Uh, and the, the key thing in that passage is like a roaring lion. So he had his granddaughter's little stuffed lion while he was talking about, uh, about this roaring lion. And then he went to Revelation chapter five, which talks about Jesus, who is the Lion of Judah and the Lamb of God. And uh, he said, "Look, there's somebody that's acting like a lion." And then, and they wheeled out on stage this massive lion that they'd got from the zoo in Minneapolis. You know, it's like two tons, and all these people are wheeling it out. So you got this massive lion there, and you got this little. Uh, little stuffed animal here. And he goes, look, you don't have to be scared of this <laughs> if you're standing with this, right? So uh, <clears throat> I briefly entertained calling some fraternity brothers <laughs> who were uh, particularly adept at, at sort of stealing things from other places and, and saying, you know, there's lions out in front of the Museum of, Mo- of Art in Chicago, big granite lions. Uh, could you Could you get me one? But then I remembered I always was the guy who got left that next morning, going, "Okay, how are we going to get that back, right?" And uh, we got to we got to get these things back. So I didn't want to be in charge of getting it back. So you just have to imagine those iconic Chicago lions uh, that are there. We 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 stand with the Lion of Judah. Uh, we don't have to be scared of the bully who is going to bluster. We we don't we don't treat this casually, but we don't have to be scared. And and. We, We need confidence that God is God and he's got things under control and we can find rest and peace in that. Let me pray for us. (sighs) Heavenly Father, um, I pray that uh, over these coming weeks a greater sense of your power, your holiness, your goodness, your love, your grace, your power, and uh, your control would uh, would resonate in our hearts. There are so many things that um, push people down, push us down, that we can be scared of. And um, we don't want to be scared. We want to find that sense of joy even in the midst of heartache and trials that allow us to move forward with a sense of your goodness, and that in the end these things uh, will all be reconciled. We look forward to that. Uh, Between now and then, give us confidence in you. Give us great humility in terms of uh, our own position. Help us um, to see through the deceptive uh, bullying tactics of evil and to be forces of good and grace and love and kindness, uh, to care for others, to care for the oppressed, to fight against Evil, evil systems and against uh, evil forces wherever they may manifest themselves, even in our own heart. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.